You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. During the first year of my youth work and theology degree, which feels like a very long time ago now, I remember hearing a visiting speaker as part of a module we were doing on equality and diversity. The speaker was the minister of a local church who were affirming of those in same-sex relationships. He walked around every desk and gave every student an A4 folded leaflet and on the front in big letters was what Jesus says about homosexuality. I rushed to read it, eager to learn what Jesus had to say about such a contentious issue. As I turned the page, I smiled as I realised the inside pages were completely blank. It's true that Jesus never mentioned homosexuality or same-sex relationships explicitly that we know of. But does that mean the Bible has nothing to say on it? Traditionally, the Christian faith has been known, sadly, for its interpretation and application of six specific Bible passages, sometimes known as the clobber passages. And they're called that because, frankly, they've been weaponised to cause great harm to LGBT plus people, demanding at best celibacy and at worst reparative therapy and healing. For years now, Oasis and many other churches and organisations have been telling a different story, understanding that these verses are not talking about what we think they are, and they perhaps don't mean what we've been led to believe they mean. In 2013, Steve Chalk released an article called A Matter of Integrity, where he set out the case for the full affirmation and inclusion of the LGBT plus community in the church. Obviously, I'm limited in the time I have this morning to explain all of the theology behind our inclusion as Oasis, but I'd really recommend reading this great article if you want to find out more. I've also found a book called God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vines really helpful. And if you're not into reading or big long books, you can find loads of his short films if you just type Matthew Vines into YouTube. What I can do this morning is offer you perhaps three key points which I think shape the theology behind our LGBT plus inclusion and then I want to end by telling you a bit about my own story. The first point then is thinking about how we read the Bible. This of course has been mentioned really well here before but the Bible is not one book with one voice. It's a vast library spanning hundreds of years. It's written by many different authors all from different social contexts and in different locations. Importantly, it was also written for different purposes and for different audiences. It contains a range of genres and styles from history and law to poetry and parables. It simply does not work then to pluck a verse completely from its context hundreds of years ago and apply it literally to a lived experience today. It needs interpretation, discussion, reflection. These six clobber passages never talk about loving, committed, same-sex relationships. When some of them seem to condemn what some translators define as homosexuality, they're actually condemning things like exploitation, prostitution and promiscuity. The second point is about our natural progression as a species and as people of faith. Have you ever looked back at a photo of yourself from like 10 or 20 years ago and thought, what on earth was I wearing? Or why did I think my hair looked good like that? When I look back at who I was 10, even five years ago, I'm completely different now. And thank God I've learned, I've grown, I've matured. 
And we see this in the Bible as the people of God evolve and progress and change as they get to know God and who he is. It's okay to change our minds. It's okay to think something different. Maybe what we used to think isn't what we think now, just in the way that Christians used to use the Bible to argue for things like slavery or to limit the participation of women. We understand these things are damaging and we've evolved and moved on from them, not in spite of our understanding of scripture, but actually because of it. My final point is about fruit. Earlier on, we heard the story of Jesus talking about fruit, that no good tree bears bad fruit or vice versa. And I think that whenever we're thinking about any kind of theological issue, it's so important to think about the fruit or the result of that theology. So let's think for a moment about the fruit or the results of the church discriminating against LGBT plus people and limiting their participation and involvement. Is it bad fruit or good fruit? Are people's lives improved, helped, healed? Do more people move towards wholeness and shalom or further away from it? In the Name of Love was a report Oasis wrote on the church, exclusion and LGB mental health issues. The findings of the report to me reveal the fruit of discrimination and exclusion. LGB people are more likely to attempt suicide, more likely to have poor mental health, and this is down to the treatment they've faced from individuals and the church in recent history. This is bad fruit. But what happens when we accept and include, when we don't just tolerate and welcome, but celebrate and empower? What happens when as Reverend Sam Wells puts it, we accept and receive the gift of LGBT plus people that God has given to the church. All good theology isn't just informed by scripture, but also by experience. And so perhaps as we near the end of this talk, I can share a bit of my own experience as we think about fruit. I'm gay. I've been married to my wife, Sarah, for four years, and we've been together for seven years. When we met and fell in love, I was working as a lecturer in a theology college and I was also part of a church plant in an evangelical church movement. When my employer found out about me and Sarah, they actually asked me to leave my job. They told me that being gay and being a tutor at the college were incompatible. They even offered to carry on paying me while I found a new job so I could leave quickly. When my church leaders found out, they asked me if I'd read what the Bible says about same-sex relationships. And bear in mind at this point that I had a master's degree in theology and was lecturing at a theology college. So what the Bible said was pretty important to me. And anybody who knew me would have known that. From that point on, I was not allowed to teach, preach, be involved in any youth work or pastoral work of any kind. I refused to leave my job and I stuck it out for as long as I could. But as my role was changed beyond recognition as a response to their panic of what might happen if students and supporting churches found out about me, it became clear I wasn't welcomed or loved and so I left. I've always been passionate about the church, my faith and people. And at that point I'd spent my whole life working for churches, youth work organisations and charities. It was all I knew but it was what I loved. And at that point, I thought I may never be employed in a job like that again. And it was heartbreaking, all because I'd met the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Not being able to do the things I was called to do, the things I longed to do, the things I knew God had given me the ability to do was deeply painful and incredibly damaging. 
I was lost and really low for a very long time. A few years later, I heard that a local church were joining Oasis. Hay Hill Baptist Church in Bath became Oasis Church Bath and Oasis Hub Bath was born. And I still remember reading through the job description for Hub Leader and reading it like it was my dream job. That job is now my job. I lead a church, a church where I can preach, teach and lead, a church where I'm not just tolerated and accepted, but celebrated and wanted, a church where I can stand next to my wife and hold her hand without fear of what someone might say or do, sorry. And is that good fruit? Has that made a difference in my life? Oh yes, I've come alive again. I'm me, fully me, and it's wonderful. I feel like I've been given my life back. But there's also good fruit for the church and the community. And when I think about what we've achieved in the hub in the last two years, it's incredible. New projects having a huge impact in people's lives and exciting future vision for our building, strong relationships inside and outside the hub. And of course, that isn't all down to me, far from it. But being able to play the part I was always supposed to play has in part led to those things. That is the fruit of inclusion and affirmation of the LGBT plus community. And it's why Oasis are committed to telling a better story when it comes to LGBT plus people and the church. In fact, next Saturday, we're putting on a conference called Creating Sanctuary. And this is an online conference, but it's all about equipping church leaders and others to create a safe welcome and pastoral support, regardless of gender, orientation or cultural heritage you'd be really welcome to join us. However you define your sexual orientation and gender identity, please know you are fiercely and deeply loved by a God who made you and knows you and wants you to be surrounded by a community who reminds you of that love every day. You are a gift. And my prayer is that you would know that today and in the weeks and months to come in a new way.